that spells time for a snack. <laughs> in in Japanese? Yeah. Oh my god. You just made it up. Degressive. Obscenity. Shit, what was I talking about? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Digressive Obscenity, or Too Many Muffins. Too Many Muffins, the podcast. Today, my guest is Amy Kraft. Amy, let us start this off right. Who are you, and what do you do? Tell me about you. Uh, my name is Amy. I didn't know there was going to be muffins, and I'm really excited. Um, I, I work in kids' down. media. Yeah, right? <laughs> I work in uh, in kids media. I'm a game designer and a producer and a writer and a blogger. I do a whole bunch of stuff, but really only stuff for kids. Yes, which is excellent. We're definitely going to talk about that. Um, so starting off um, in the questions portion. Questions. Stop asking me questions. What is your first memory of me? Um... We worked together. You did voiceover work uh, for Speakaboo's, one company that we work with together. And, you know, you're, I am not a tall person, and you are, in fact, a very tall person. It's been debated. So, you know, the, the disparity, I, I remember quite well. <laughs> did, I, did I actually, that first day, it was at Bang Studio, did I bump my head on the ceiling? It's possible that you did. I think. Oh no! But it, I remember. Yeah. It's so interesting. I remember the other studio more when you were just in like that sort of makeshift, like the the temporary. Oh, the tiny little box space versus where it really felt like we were trapping you in a tiny box. Yes, I was waiting for the spikes or something. Right. That's wonderful. That that's usually, I'll be honest, the first the first thing that people notice is is the height. Um, yeah. But uh, that's that's wonderful. Um, what is your favorite moment or episode from The Simpsons? Gosh, that's a hard one. It is. I think, you know, the one that I always remember, only because I really like to eat lamb, mm -hmm. is the, the one where Lisa goes vegetarian. Yeah. And so whenever we eat lamb, we do that, Lisa, don't eat me, which is kind of horrible because it was all about not eating lamb, and we do that every time we eat lamb. Wonderful. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and... um. What are you listening to right now? What am I listening to right now? I was listening to Speakaboo Stories. I was doing some editing work right before we talked. Awesome. Um, and right now I'm listening to The Sounds of Silence because my husband took my children to the park. Uh, so it's sort of like, it's, it's sort of, you know, it's wonderful to have kids, but it's also wonderful to not have kids for extended periods of time. That's exactly right. Gotcha. I am looking forward to... Any parents to, will tell you that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I can imagine that is sort of like... It's kind of bittersweet. It's like, oh, I miss the kids, but I also miss, you know, not screaming. Exactly. I'll tell you, I've been watching a lot of Louie. I don't know if you watched that show. But I watched the first couple, uh, maybe the first half season. Yeah, I do enjoy it. I, I think for, like, parents, that's, like, a very funny show to watch. Because the things that you can't really say about having kids yeah. are things that he says out loud. Very funny. <laughs> yes. Some of those things are, you know, it's one of those things you hope that his kids will never see that. Right. But it is very funny stuff, absolutely. I, I do think about that all the time. It's like, what happens? Like, I think his kids will watch it as teenagers and be horrified. Then they'll yeah. watch him as parents and think it's hilarious. And be like, Dad really <laughs> knew what he was talking about. We're really obnoxious Oh, I sometimes. get it now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I do understand. Sometimes you just want to tell your daughter to shut the fuck up and go to sleep. Exactly. I'm sure you've run across that, the uh, uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep book. 
Yeah, it's really become like, uh, you know, for first-time parents, when you hear that they're expecting, that's what you buy. <laughs> like, like like the 20-something you know? parents, yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Have you heard the audio version with Samuel Jackson? Samuel Jackson, of course. Amazing. Of course. I mean, really, who could have done it better? Exactly. Like, yeah. nobody could do it better. Maybe Tom Waits, although that would be a little more frightening, I think. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be able to sleep if you were reading me a bedtime story. It's my dream to hear Christopher Walken do more uh, you, audiobooks for children. Absolutely. There's there's that fake, there's that moment in that Simpsons episode at the book fair where they have Jay Moore doing Christopher Walken reading Goodnight right. Moon. Right. Ever since I saw that, it's like, why could they just not have gotten him? It would be It would be perfect. I know. I think Jay Moore has even talked about that. That like, why didn't they just get Christopher? Yeah. Walken? Every once in a while, it's like you know, you know, being an actor when you hear an audition where it's like we're looking for a John Krasinski type. He's like the most popular. We want you to sound like him right now, and it's like, why isn't he doing this stuff? Because he he'd be cleaning up. It's like we want you. So rather than like we want people that kind of sound like you, why not just get John Krasinski and. Just give him some more it's money. It's true. What is he too busy banking on indie movies right now? <laughs> oh, exactly. Or or like kind of looking <laughs> conspiratorially at the camera and like raising his eyebrows or like exactly. saying, look at this guy without actually saying, look at this guy. Exactly. Uh, he's perfected it. It's exactly. Weird. Yeah. He's perfected acting. No, he, you know, he's perfected saying, look at this guy with his eyebrows. Yes. And looking a little bit like a hobbit, actually. His his nose is kind of shiny and his ears pop out a little bit. Is this just me? No, I'm with you. Okay, all right. Um, so moving on, um, what are you reading at the moment? I am reading, along with my daughter, a series of unfortunate events. Because mm. um, I hadn't read that series before. You, here's something to know about me. It's been a really long time since I've read a grown-up book. But I did just finish this amazing graphic novel called Relish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about this girl's adventure growing up with foodie parents and between New York City and Rhinebeck. Wow. And it's full of recipes. And I just made the spaghetti carbonara recipe out of it the other night. So, so it's, it's you know, a... when you can involve food with your reading, I think I'm a fan of that. Yeah, that's a great demographic. People who are hungry while reading books. Yeah. And, that's, and every time yeah. I was reading it, I was reading it starving on the subway. And I thought I was just going to take a bite out of the book. And it's so it's like a graphic novel and they just kind of like weave like recipes into it or it's like a graphic novel. Yeah, yeah. Cookbook. So so there's like there's some spreads throughout um, with some recipes like chocolate chip cookies, sangria. So it's not totally for you know, it's not a kid one. It's like a yeah. teenager, adult one. Um, but yeah, there's drink recipes in it. But it's funny because there's another graphic novel called Bake Sale by Sarah Verone, mm-hmm. which has recipes for cupcakes. It's all like, you know, interspersed. Like it's, now I'm trying to remember, but it's like two different foods um, that are friends with each other. And then it's interspersed with recipes of cupcakes. So I think that we're starting to see a whole genre of graphic novels slash cookbook, which I'm wow. very excited about. That is very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely, Wow. It's always good to see evolutions and mashups that that work, you know. Yeah. Um. Wonderful. Um. Uh, what are you watching right now? What am I watching? Um. Obviously, I'll be watching Downton Abbey tonight. It is a soap opera. We all need to admit it, but it. I am hooked on it. My my um, fiance bought the first and second season on Blu-ray. She's seen it. I haven't seen it. I'm waiting to be in the mood for it. You know, I think you you have to be, and then it's yeah. really engaging while you're watching it, and then after you're done watching it, you think, 
huh. Like, when you kind of, like, think about the plot points in your mind again, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, that's really just a soap opera. But it's so British and funny. Yes, exactly. That, that's what I keep hearing. Um, and I've been watching Louie. I've been catching up on Portlandia. Mm-hmm. Basically, we canceled our cable, so anything that's good that's coming up on Netflix. Yes. Uh, that's what I've been watching. We canceled our cable a while ago because I, I couldn't, I don't think I could name a sixth of the channels that we were paying for. And right. until the until cable goes a la carte, it, there's really no point because you really only watch like 10, 15 channels between two people. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. And there's so many different ways to get it. And then, you know, you just have to decide what's most important to watch real time. Like we decided yeah. Mad Men was worth watching in real time. So yes. we just bought it on iTunes. Still Absolutely. Still paying for cable. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, it's definitely, television is, is, is you know, kind of modernizing itself where if you miss a show it's not like well crap i gotta wait eight months for the dvd to come out you could buy it you know a day later for two dollars on itunes or something but i like that the accessibility is 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 getting better and the quality of television in general is just soaring these days oh i know the dramas it's just it's unreal like we don't go to the movies very much anymore but who needs to when you have like breaking bad and breaking bad when they when they when they split up that last season into however two seasons oh i'm not caught up <laughs> oh okay well then just pre- I, i'm still yeah. mid breaking bad i'm sorry to say no that's okay no spoilers but they shot the last season and then like halfway through with the ridiculous cliffhanger they're like okay we'll see you in 9 months go have yeah, a baby horrible. come back and then we'll finish this show that you've been chomping at the bit over for you know almost almost like what 5 years 6 years yeah, it's uh. it's crazy watching my kids watch TV in this new formatted world because their favorite channel really is Netflix for kids. Wow. They just load up Netflix on the iPad and they choose what they want to watch. And my daughter, you know, at first she would just watch things like Phineas and Ferb, things mm-hmm. that she knew. Um, but she found this Australian show uh, with girls and horses called The Saddle Club. Okay. And she has been hooked on this. And then we realized it's based on a book series, so we started buying up the books. Nice. And, you know, you just, by not having the curators of, uh, you know, specific channels, it's kind of amazing what you can discover. Yeah. Netflix is definitely helpful in that way that, like, you'd never hear of something until at the very end of something you really loved. It's like, if you actually like this, you might like this. Right. It's, yeah. That's really cool. I, I stumbled across something that my friend had mentioned called Sergeant Frog, which is an animated thing. And it's it's weird, Amy. It's it's really weird. It's like it's like the incomprehensible Japanese anime, but made by Americans. So like, there's references to the incomprehensibility. There's a character named Mister Subtitle, who, <laughs> who who like has That's the, awesome. yeah. It's it's really something to watch. It's not, you know, I don't know if it's for kids, but it's not like it's not like Adult Swim, not for kids, but it's. It's a weird one. It's it's definitely on there. But uh, Sergeant Frog, check it out. It it may blow your mind. Another one for you is a French movie called A Town Called Panic. Okay. Again, kind of for kids, but not really. But it's like Toy Story in that there's like an animated horse that lives with a cowboy and an Indian, and they all live together, and there's lots of infighting in there. But it's all like animated toys, and it's hilarious and extremely weird. Excellent. Okay, A Town Called Panic. Wonderful. Um, so you said that you, uh, you design games. Are you also a gamer? Are you playing anything right now? 
Uh, we are very hooked on Activision Skylanders games. Again, ah, yes, you know, Skylanders. you'll see a theme. Like, I really just don't graduate to the grown-up stuff, but Skylanders rules, and they're Skylanders giants now. I heard about um, that. Yeah, I listened to a um, a podcast called uh, Giant Bomb, which is just all about video games, and um, they're adults, and um, you know, everybody else is like, "Oh, I'm playing," you know, the new Call of Duty. I'm playing this, and the one guy goes. So, guys, I've been playing a lot of Skylanders. And then they're all, yeah, then there's like that laughter. And then he goes, guys, it's pretty good. And then there's this it's moment. It's really good. Yeah. And I've, I've heard that like the marketing is just insane and brilliant to actually get, uh, you know, to get physical components that you use with the game with that like portal thingamajig. Yep. Yep. Um, and, nice. I mean, it's good enough that Disney is now copying it. Um, yes. Disney just announced, like, was it Disney Infinity, I Inf- think? Uh, Infinity, Boy yeah, yeah, where you can... Gameplay. Yes. Yeah. Which is cool. I mean, that's always, you know, I mean, I've been I've been playing games since I was maybe six years old, and it's cool to, to look at these things and see that, you know, things are still evolving in this sense. But uh, that's cool. So did you go nuts with the Skylanders? I know there's, like, hundreds of variations and different figures out well, there. Well... I will say that I made sure that we had all of the girl Skylanders because that was important to me because I play with my daughter. Mm -hmm. But Activision has been very, very kind to me because I also, I review games. um, Yes. Both on my own blog and on Wired uh, Geek Mom. Mm -hmm. So they've been very kind to me. Um, And also, um, I I threw a Skylanders birthday party for my daughter last year. That is so cool. So they've sent us quite a few Skylanders. We have three portals. Nice. (laughs) They've kind of covered every surface of our living room. That's really cool. Yeah, on on that other podcast, the the Giant Bomb, they were um, postulating what would happen if you put a portal on a portal. And immediately it was decided that it would cause the singularity and that would be the end of the world. So don't, no matter how much you think you, it would be cool, don't put a portal on the portal. It's a good point. Now I don't even want to store them that way unplugged. Exactly. Just in case. Because, you know. Just in case. Yeah. We, 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 it's we, a really we, good thought. Yeah. We've, we've read the sci-fi literature. We know that nothing good will come of that. Well, and the kids always fantasize about what other of their toys you could put on the portal to have them sucked into the game and what would happen. There's there's an upcoming Pixar movie or or maybe even straight up just a video game that has to have that. I mean, it, it has to be the next step. Yeah. Well, um, Wreck-It Ralph was a little bit that, right? Of like kind of going from game to game and kind of wreaking havoc where you don't belong. Yeah, I haven't seen that yet, but I, it is completely, it is made for me. Like 30-something people who were gamers as kids... And, like, kids are going to see it, and 30-somethings are going to see it, and then the parents are going to take the kids to see it. They've basically locked down, like, I'd say a 40-year demographic with that movie, yeah. which is brilliant. Is it as good as everybody when we says? Saw, yeah. When we saw the trailer for it, I leaned over to my daughter. I said, I don't care if you want to see that. I will be taking you to see that. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much... Uh, I turned to my... designed it for me to take you. Exactly, yeah, yeah. And then you're going to say, Mom, can we get a Nintendo? And then and then you're going to say, yes, we're going to get a Nintendo. And then suddenly you're buying an old NES off of eBay or something. But yeah, I mean, just yeah. seeing that, that trailer with, like, Zangief and, and the Ghost and Bowser, and it's like, I remember you from when I was young. But yeah, I'm, that's definitely on my list. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Do you have any allergies? I don't. That is so lucky. You are the second person to not have allergies. Congratulations, Amy. Thank you. 
thank you very much. I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> um, do you collect anything intentionally? Um, I really amass a lot of books. Like, we have tons of picture books, and, you know, the grown-up books are slowly getting edged out of our house because yeah. I can't not bring home a picture book that I see that I love. And even when the kids outgrow them, I can't imagine letting go of these picture books. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Do you ever read any of the, um, not read, do you ever get any of the, uh, the Michael Ian Black kids' books? No. <laughs> They're surprised. I didn't know he had it. He has a bunch. Yeah, he has, he has one that I think it just came out called I'm Bored. He has one from before that called Chicken Cheeks, which is like, it's literally, on the front, it's a chicken with a butt. And it's called Chicken Cheeks. And then there's, like, other ways to say names of animals' butts. Like, bird butt, chicken cheek, turtle tushy. And it's just a picture of an animal with just the, with a butt. See, butts, boogers, like, all that stuff, always funny. It's just classic. It's always funny. Exactly. And then you hear Michael Ian Black did it, and somehow it's even more funny. I always want that to be like a developmental milestone, like the comedy milestones. Like when you go into the pediatrician and say, my two and a half year old laughed at a fart joke. You know, it's just like <laughs> there, there's some sort of developmental thing that like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It's really growing up. Object permanence and fart humor. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's kind and of, I yeah. remember recording a... Yeah, I was recording a SpongeBob book with somebody. Nice. Um, not for Speakaboos, but for something else. Um, and we were both talking about SpongeBob. And as parents, you feel like the moment where they find the absurdity of SpongeBob funny is sort of a proud moment as a parent. Absolutely. Some parents, some parents don't want to go near SpongeBob. <laughs> but it's just like, yeah, you find that funny. That's awesome. There's like. <laughs> That means, like, a switch has gone off in your brain for absurd comedy. Exactly. Which means you have, like, a window of, like, what, three years of just, like, whenever things get rough, just make a fart noise. And it's like, oh, Mom, you're great. Yeah. It's It's like a go-to, yeah. Well, and right now, the one show that my kids will watch together, because there's a five-year difference between them, Mm -hmm. my daughter's seven and my son is two, Mm -hmm. they love watching Mr. Bean together. Oh, Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson, God bless you. (laughs) I mean, and that's sort of like, he's the visual equivalent of all these gags that they both get. Like, there's no dialogue to get. You just understand the gag. Yeah. It's so funny. And his face is is just like a walking joke. Yeah. It's wonderful. Actually, so this is, you know, a, a tiny tangent. Um, so I'm a huge fan of the movie Clue. You've seen that, I hope? Mm-hmm. It's yep. It's just, it's great. I watched it as a kid. I watched it when I was older. And it, it's it's still amazing. Um, so I did some digging and I'm kind of a firm believer in the whole, um, parallel universe kind of thing. And I did a little digging and I found out that aside from Tim Curry, they considered John Cleese and Rowan Atkinson as Wadsworth at one point. And I want to go to that universe just to see that version. And then I want to go to the other universe just to see that version. And then just so I can have a comparison because I love Tim Curry. He's, he's like, honestly, he's a step below Gary Oldman. If you look at the roles he takes and the characters he completely inhabits. And it's like Pennywise doesn't look like Tim Curry. Uh, what's his name? Evil or Darkness from uh, Legend doesn't look like Ooh, Tim Curry. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the same thing with, you know, Gary Oldman and like John Cleese and Rowan Atkinson. It's like, what could Clue have been with John Cleese or Rowan Atkinson? You know? 
Yeah, that's so interesting because neither one of those actors has the darkness that Tim Curry has. And it's that dark exactly. that I think Clue needs. Exactly, yeah. So, I don't know. I think it would be, like, this is why I support the, the Super Collider in hopes that, you know, we open a portal not to, you know, the hell dimension, but to whatever dimension in which <laughs> John Cleese stars in, in Clue or Rowan Atkinson. Um, let's see. Okay. Uh, so one actor or actress you could make gone from the face of the earth, who would it be and why? Wow. That's serious power. Yes. Use it wisely. Just one. Oh, wow. I feel like, you know, the actors and actresses I don't like, I just don't watch. I understand. But you know, um, what's that guy? The guy from Friends. Speaking of another one who's just all face. David Schwimmer. No, he's on... Not David Schwimmer. Oh, my gosh. What's his name? Not Matt LeBlanc, but the other one. Matthew Joey. Perry. Matthew Perry. No, that, wait, that, that's not Joey. That is Joey. No, Matthew Perry was... Chandler. Oh Chandler, yes. You can see how much Friends I watch. I mean, really, sort of all the Friends. They <laughs> so I wouldn't you... miss them. I wouldn't say that they were, you know, like TV was lacking or anything. Yeah, I can't... Th- well, apparently there's a show called I Episodes. I have a little soft spot for David Schwimmer, though, because he's Madagascar. He is indeed, yeah. Well, apparently there's a show called Episodes that stars um, Matt LeBlanc, and people are ranting and raving about that. I haven't yeah, seen it. It was all over the Golden Globes. Yeah, oh, I haven't wow. seen it either. Okay. But again, I, I support getting rid of all the friends. But Matthew Perry, that, that is a good one. <clears throat> okay, so uh, we've we finished the standard question section. Now, Amy, let's digress. What are some afternoon cartoons from childhood you remember watching? Oh, Scooby-Doo. I was so into Scooby-Doo. I would, like, race home from school to get to home in time for Scooby-Doo. Nice. Um, but the one I always think about, it, it's not an afternoon one. It's a Saturday morning one. Do you sure. the show? I'm going to really date myself now. Kid Video. This was back when videos were still on MTV. And there was a villain called the Master Blaster. And music videos would be mixed in with this cartoon. <laughs> I don't know why I was even thinking about this the other day. It was such a cool show. It was so weird. Very vaguely. It was sort of like, it was in like the the early 80s when like music videos were still kind of new. Yeah. But it was <sighs> like getting enough, like enough like homes had MTV that it was like, oh, you understood MTV as a thing. And then, of course, the Super Friends. Oh, wow! Which yeah, is absolutely. hilarious because I've been watching the Super Friends with my daughter now, and if you want to think about how children's TV has changed over the years, mm-hmm. go back and watch an episode of the Super Friends. Because I don't know if you'll remember, in between sort of the storyline things where they're battling villains and everybody, mm-hmm. they would do sort of like public service announcements, yes. and they were like, "Don't hitchhike." Don't joyride in a plane. Don't take anything from the guy who's hanging outside the liquor store. Like, it is shocking to, like, watch. Because now it's like, oh, don't eat anything that's not organic. Yeah. Back then it's a little more like, you know, try to avoid being kidnapped. It's like, eat an Oreo. Try to avoid being kidnapped. Exactly. So they had, like, Apache Chief, like kind of walking in and getting really big and like moving the the creepy van down the road or something. Oh, it's I remember that and every every episode kind of ends with all of them laughing, right? Yeah. <laughs> totally. 
Exactly. <laughs> Usually about something that Bleak did. You know, it's like, oh. <laughs> you stupid monkey. Yeah. Exactly. That's nuts. I control that monkey. Yeah. The really crazy thing is like watching Super Friends and then putting on like a, a Chris Nolan Batman. Yeah. <sighs> or actually, if you're if you're into the uh, the animated superhero thing, they just um, or I think I think coming out on Tuesday, they're about to put out the um, the second part of the the Frank Miller Dark Knight Returns animated thing. Nice. It's pitch black, but it's it's done so well. It's so dark. It's ooh yeah. Good stuff. It's like some I don't of understand why people can't make Wonder Woman work that way. Like that, yeah. if anyone attempts Wonder Woman, it's camp, and then it fails before it even begins. Yeah. Why not make the dark side of Wonder Woman? It's working for every other superhero. I don't know. Like, I mean, it could be really interesting. It could be, yeah. And I remember back when, um, oh, good lord, two thousand seven or eight, Joss Whedon was working on the movie script. And then apparently they kept wanting something different, and he kept saying, this isn't going to be good. And then he's like, you know what, never mind, fail on your own. And then they had the show, or they they shot the pilot, and the script got out and some people reviewed it. And apparently it was like, aside from just being camp, um, it was really confusing. Like, the actress playing Wonder Woman also played Diana Prince, but she also played... Like Diana Prince's secretary, or, or <laughs> yeah, it was like really way too convoluted for Wonder Woman, and it's like, why don't they just do that dark? Because they're doing everything dark, and it's, I don't know, it's it's one of those things where I kind of consider myself a feminist, and to see all these other things, and it's like, it would be great to see somebody just doing a good job of that because the stories are I great, know. you know, they're there. But yeah, that is a well, puzzle. and there's a super hungry audience for it, which is why I God don't yes, like yeah. Either leave Joss Whedon alone with it, or put a woman on it. <laughs> you know, like God forbid a woman write Wonder Woman, Amy. What? Um, do you have any uh, crazy, creepy homeless stories you could share? Crazy, creepy of like when I was crazy, creepy, and homeless, or uh, like encountering other crazy, creepy, homeless people. Um, either way, you know, whatever. If you have a if you have a certain flavor of crazy or creepy to bring to the table, go for it. Or you know, you know I mean, what's interesting is um, I have more stories from my lifetime in Chicago than New York City. Really? There's something about like in New York, um, you know, it's very like unless you're like encountering people on the subway. Yeah. I feel like you don't really see homeless people like in the way that you do in other cities. Mm-hmm. In Chicago, I used to work at a retail store on Michigan Avenue right across the street from the Art Institute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a kid. I was in college. And I would be working alone in this store. And I had people come in. Like, there was this one crazy guy that would always kind of, like, bang on the counter until I gave him a piece of paper. And then he would make hash marks. And then he would count up all his hash marks. And then he would give the paper back to me and then leave. It's like, wow. that's what he did. <laughs> he just needed to do some counting, and that was fine. Um, but, yeah, then I had, you know, like, people expose themselves to me and stuff. It was always, yeah, Chicago. <laughs> ah, well, I'm probably going to stay out of Chicago then, continually. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good city, but, you know, the, the homeless were definitely a little more aggressive. Yeah, it sounds like it. Wow. But um, then you go, it was so surprising as a tourist in other cities, like in Seattle, mm-hmm. like it's really like a front center, or I was just in San Diego, and I was really surprised at like how in your face like the homeless problem is. And in San Diego, they're like, well, it's the weather, you know, what better place to be yeah, homeless? Yeah, why be homeless in New York in February? Yeah. yeah. I remember I, I was in, um, in Portland, Oregon some years ago, and 
um, I just kept thinking like, wow, look at all the hippies. And it's like, oh, the homeless people dress like hippies. Right. So they were very colorful for homeless people. So, yep. yeah. Very and I will say the homeless guy who um, sort of, I won't put in quotation mark, like works at my local subway station is the nicest guy you could ever meet. You yeah. Know? He's always saying hello to everybody. <laughs> he's, just like, he's just a charmer. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Hey, it's, it's the city for it. Everybody's a performer. Um, duodenum or duodenum? Oh, I think duodenum. Okay. Again, I think it's just a preferential thing, but I, I do have some friends who are doctors, and at some point I really just have to ask them if there is a correct way to do it, because th- that could render this entire question moot. Um, <laughs> uh, what is your zombie apocalypse escape plan? Who would you want with you, and why? Where would you go? And it has to be a, a, a real person, not, uh, you know, Captain America, who we'd all want with us in the zombie apocalypse. I think very practically, there's someone at a developer that I've worked with who's a forager by hobby, mm. like who can like go into the forest and know like what to eat, what you can't eat. It's like, I feel like that's who you want because as food sources go away, you want to know what nature's food sources is. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say, I mean, we don't have, weapons are obviously like something that people are stockpiling. I don't think I'd want to be around weapons, so I'd want to. I'd want to go with the foragers and somebody like really funny, and hopefully my family is with me as well. Gotcha. I'm gonna go with them too. That's a solid plan. Is this is this a <laughs> game developer? What's that? Um, so the 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 guy who knows how to forge is that a game developer? Yeah, he's a he's a game developer. See, that is something because I'm I am I am to this day I'm, I'm I'm a big gamer. I'm not a huge gamer. I don't buy every game that comes out, but I'm always a fan of. The, uh, the survival horror and, and the zombie genre and then Silent Hill and Resident Evil and stuff like yep. that. And the thing that's missing nowadays really is the sense that you're in danger. I mean, like, you're carrying a combat shotgun with, you know, 800 shells and you're fighting tentacle monsters and, like, they're running at you and it's a lot more action-y as opposed to, like, you're in a house with a stick. Something right. is in that room. It's slowly moving towards you. So that element of like, you know, if it were, you know, for instance, a horror game where foraging actually comes into it, where you're not a kung fu expert with, you know, a lightsaber going after zombies. You're maybe a kid lost in the forest and you simply have to survive. Right. That sort of authenticity is is very, very interesting. If, you know, if I ever meet somebody who gives me a lot of money and says, hey, make a video game, I I want like the the grandeur and like the the gps accuracy of like a, a grand theft auto so it's an entire city and i want the you know the the nitpicking and the actual survival of something like an rpg where it's like if you pick up a gallon of water you're now carrying a gallon of water you can't just like yep. put it on your back and have it disappear but i don't know right. hopefully with the next generation of consoles we'll get that level of fidelity do you actually... think the zombies are going to be fast moving or slow moving when I... You know, I think it's I think it's up in the air. The thing is, I do believe all of our plans and our ideas of the CDC and shutting down the city, if they're fast zombies, I think we can throw those out the window. If they're yeah. streaking at you, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. Um so I'm hoping they're not fast zombies. If they're if they're slow zombies, 
you know, I've seen the movies, I've read the books, I've played the games. I know what not to do to survive for a while, but it really does depend on the end game. You know, like, is yep. this an, a worldwide outbreak that's going to last for the rest of everybody's lives? Or is this, you know, a pandemic or an epidemic? Is Does the government have a plan? So, fingers crossed it won't happen, but with all that bath salt stuff, I think they're just covering up the beginnings of... <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. It, it's a drug that makes you bite people's faces off. It, yeah, no, it, it's a drug. It's zombies. <laughs> zombies aren't real. It's a drug called bath salts. Yeah. So, uh, and finally, uh, Amy, tell me a joke. My favorite joke is very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, what's brown and sticky? I don't know. A stick. <laughs> I keep trying to explain to my daughter why this is the funniest joke. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, um, I heard that before. I heard that at a They Might Be Giants kids show. Robin Goldwasser oh, told that. Oh. Yeah. That's actually, I think, I think I tried to in- introduce you to on, um, on Twitter, but it's like, I just keep envisioning, cause she runs a, um, uh, sort of a puppet theater called the Deeply Felt puppet theater and oh, that's excellent. and it's run by mr and miss like mr deeply and mrs felt and <laughs> yeah it, there's this whole backstory to it but um i don't know I, I just i keep envisioning like this you know the deeply felt puppet theater line of books or something i don't know i, I if, if i ever get the two of you in the same place i may just stand there and watch you talk because i feel like there's a lot of sensibilities that you guys could really just bounce back and forth but it's always dangerous when I meet people like that. Like, I met a couple of people like that recently. It's like, oh, and then we could do this together and this and this. And it's like, I'm already out of hours in the day. <laughs> so it's like, oh, but I want to do this other thing. Exactly. <laughs> well, but that's the, that's the most wonderful thing about meeting other creative people in your field is, like, the fact that you're in the industry. The It may actually happen. It's not just sitting around talking and like, yeah, but we can't do that. We're just teenagers. Now it's like, I know a guy who works for Henson, maybe you can talk to him, and maybe people will be playing with these things. That's right. Oh man, that's what I love about. It. I love that there is still creativity floating around out there. Yep. Okay, so uh, Amy, now let's get specific. Let's get specific. What were you like as a child that made you go from a mom who is a geek to a geek mom? I think the pivotal thing for me, the way that I remember it, although, you know, I joke about this with my parents, when I was like a really little kid, um, you know, like kindergarten, first grade, I remember getting like a slot car racetrack. And my older sister and I played with this slot car racetrack, and we thought it was the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Coolest thing ever. And then, cut to a couple years later, now I have a little brother, and he's five years younger than me. Mm -hmm. Suddenly... All the boy toys, quote unquote, went to him. Uh, And because he was five years younger, things that I think I would have missed generationally, I got to play with because I was either playing with my younger brother or helping him, you know, like helping him put together his Legos. Yeah. um, Showing him how to work his Transformers, helping Uh, him beat Mario on Nintendo. Nice. And so like all this stuff that I was doing with him. That it's like all the, while I was kind of simultaneously going through like what it means to be girly and I had girl best friends and we did all the girly stuff too, but it was my brother's toys that I think stuck with me the longest and that I got to kind of 
experience all this stuff with him. And I think that that made the biggest difference. So because then it was like all that stuff that I kept doing. It kept me in video games longer than maybe I would have. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I mean, I remember I had a sister who's uh, four years younger than me. And I always just remember it's like her toys sucked. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, here's a doll. And it's like, oh, okay, here's Skeletor. You can take his face off. You right, know, And it's right. like there was never a, a, a female equivalent of Transformers. Like, you know, the, I don't even think they had girl Transformers. But, like, just the detail that went into it and the care that went into it and the, the shows were just so badass as opposed to, like, you know, Barbie's riding in her Corvette. That's yep. what she did today. Yeah, that's that's always been a bummer. Yeah, and I think that's why you start to see that there's a bigger world. And even now, there's the Toy Awards have been nominated for yes. um, Toy Fair that's coming next month. Mm-hmm. And it's broken down into boy toys and girl toys. And if you look, like Skylanders is on the list for boy toys because the girl toys have to be filled with fashion and dress up and all the stuff. And it that's never awful. ceases to piss me off. Even though there are female Skylanders. Right. So, I but mean, they're in the minority, and I always kind uh, of harass Activision about that. Like, they're awesome, and they really kick ass, but there's so few of them percentage-wise. Yeah. That's, that's something compared that's, to, I think, the number of girls playing the game. Exactly, yeah. And it's it's something that's accessible, but it's uh, that, that always bugs me about, even, you know, in, in gaming culture, that it's just like... It, it's, it, it's... You're either... A female gamer is either a curiosity, or... You're you're just a tourist, and it's like, oh, what do you play? You know, and it's like, I don't know. That's this this bias is, it's it just it's kind of mind boggling. You know, they're they're fifty percent of the population, guys. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, so how did you uh, how did you get hooked up with uh, with Wired and and the Mary Sue and all those guys? Um, what happened was Twitter actually. Mm-hmm. Um, after I had started Media Macaroni, my own blog. I really started reading Geek Dad, and I thought it was really cool. And I knew just from chatting with them on Twitter, I got to know some of the people from Geek Dad. So when the Geek Moms, the the female writers for Geek Dad, went off and spun off Geek Mom, Mm -hmm. they asked me to be a part of it, and I was thrilled. It's been such an amazing community to be a part of. Yeah. Because it's definitely, I mean, like, you know, just now, Geek Girls are, sadly, they're just burgeoning. Even though they've existed mm-hmm. for probably just as long as geek boys, um, but I, I like that there's almost like a genre on top of that is like what happens when a geek girl, you know, grows up, you know, she becomes right. a geek mom. That's that's wonderful, and I love the, I love based on your tweets and your blog. Like, I feel like your kids they're already cool, but they're going to grow up to be so cool. <laughs> oh man, it's funny. I remember getting a lot of mom credit for. Um, having my daughter cosplay at comic-con this year nice and it was just like when we went to different booths and we were buying stuff they're like your mom is so cool (laughs) and you know i think dads get a lot of like sort of extra credit when they do things for their kids but a mom at comic-con seems like the coolest mom ever it really (laughs) is yeah because it's just it's been such a such a stigma like you know yeah comics are for boys and you know the guy's gonna dress up as captain america but you know you see a kid dress up and it's like I don't. I was in um, Midtown Comics a while ago, and I, I just saw this um, this guy walking by with like an arm full, like a stack of books, and it's like, oh, okay. And it um, it turns out that he was starting off this little girl and her father 
and it's like she'd read Hellboy and that was it. <laughs> and she wanted to get into comics and it was like I almost I almost cried, Amy. It's like I I'm watching a geek being born. I know. It's, well, I have know. to say a lot of the geek moms kind of stand back and are amused by this in a way because mm-hmm. not everyone had the easiest time being a geek growing up. Like exactly. I did all right. I, it, you know, I wasn't bullied or anything about it, but you know, now there's like kind of a geek chic and you have kids yeah. younger and younger that's like, yeah, I started a science club and I read comics and I was on the debate you know, team. Think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think the pervasiveness of technology has helped that along. It's like, oh, geeks are cool because they're the ones making all, all the money. They're the ones who, who are giving us all this technology. Exactly. And now, like, we have so many geeks in our culture that it's just like, all right. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I remember when I was a kid, geek was a pejorative. And now it's like, you know, yep. yeah, he's he's a geek. He runs a, a web company. Right. When was he's the... a geek. You should give him, like, $5 million. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's a geek. He made the iPad. Exactly. She's a geek. Invest in her startup. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so the uh, the geek moms also uh, like the Mary Sue people just came over to Geek Mom, or you guys just contributed. Uh, the Mary Sue is a separate blog, but yeah. um, we have a we have a friendly relationship, especially on Twitter with them, and um, we we see them at a lot of the same events. But we we are separate blogs. Gotcha. But that that's definitely good company to be in. And I have to say, there are a few sites I retweet so much as the Mary Sue. I love that blog. Yeah, I mean, well, that's because, you know, so much of their stuff is, is, you know, just spot on. It's really well done stuff. Yeah. What is the, uh, what is the, the story of Speakaboos? Did you help create that or you're just, you're, you're the executive content producer? Executive content producer. They had a site in place when I came on board a little over a year ago. Mm-hmm. And um, they asked me to come on board and to help them create new content for the site. And I've been working very closely with Dr. Alice Wilder, who yes. is amazing. She was the co-creator of Super Y, and she'd worked on Blue's Clues prior mm-hmm. to that. And with us and the team that we're, we're growing all the time, you can look forward to a lot of good stuff launching this year. I mean, you've worked on a lot of it with us. You've narrated I'm, a lot of it. I am so excited. Like, I want to have kids so I can show them this, which is totally oh. not the right motivation. <laughs> but it doesn't change it. <laughs> I always joked that I had a second kid so I could keep watching Yo Gabba Gabba. So. <laughs> but see, that's the great thing. We don't need excuses to watch these things. It's like, what'd you do today? That's I watched true. the 15th season of The Simpsons on Blu ray for nine hours. Yep. And it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's something that, you know, we have to reflect on this. Like, 2012, some of the biggest movies of the year were comic book movies. Yeah. And it's like anybody who's who's doesn't believe that, you know, that you know the geeks are indeed inheriting the earth it's like avengers made a billion dollars in its first weekend well and what's so funny i mean these weren't my books growing up like i didn't love lord of the rings and the hobbit Mm -hmm. but it's like now it's like all right let's recognize that those were huge for people oh yeah make these massive movies harry potter hunger games these are geeky books for sure yeah they're sci-fi and fantasy and they're empowering to women, sort of. Hunger Games, yeah. kind of. If you yeah, want to, Hunger it, Games, totally. If you want to, I love Hunger Games. I, th- I think they did a good job with it. I, I saw the first movie, and I read the first two books, and I'm kind of holding off because I know that it ends with the third book, and, like, you know, I enjoyed yeah. it. But, you know, I thought I'll probably read the third book, like, when the second movie comes out. But I think they, they nailed that. 
Lenny Kravitz, yeah. dude, Lenny Kravitz. Oh, he was, was so good. He was so good. I was so skeptical about that. And he was yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, they they completely nailed that. That was that was ridiculous. Okay, Amy. Um, uh, that's pretty much it. We've just reached the last portion of Digressive Obscenity. Define me. I sent you a list of words. You picked a word from that list. Please share which word you picked and define it for us. I picked the word clebble. Clebble, yes, indeed. Actually, I picked several words, but then I, I decided to go with clebble. You settled with clebble, yes, I understand. <laughs> I'm, I'm very proud of the, I'm very proud of these words, yes. There were a great list, and it was hard to go down to just one. So, what is but, clebble? So, clebble is a noun, and it is that thin line of black that's underneath your fingernails that you hope is dirt, but you're never quite sure the origin. Nice. I'm looking down, and I'm very happy to say that I have no clebble. You have no clebble. See, my son often has clebble um, in both his toenails and his his fingernails. And you know, when you clean it out, you can give it a little sniff, and you know, it doesn't try to smell like the origin. Yeah, but it doesn't clebble. smell like organic material, and it's like, Correct. where did you find antimatter, and why did you put your hands and feet into it? Exactly. Or if you could say, I just gave you a bath. How is there clebble already? See, the way I see I feel like kids grow their own clebble until they're like eight or nine. And then all of a sudden it's like... Oh, that hadn't occurred to me. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's like as a kid, I mean, I don't remember getting dirty, but I was constantly filthy. And it's like, I didn't grow up on a farm. I grew up in Manhattan. And, and it's... I, I didn't roll around in the mud. I went to Central Park. I slid on that big slide around 66th Street. I still slide on that big marble slide. It's wonderful. But I don't get as dirty yep. now when I was a kid. So it's like, where is that coming from? That's a very good question. It's like, where does oh, the you sub can get, go? You can get clubbed just from riding the subway. I do my best. Subway. Yeah, no, that that is true. <laughs> Ooh, God, that's gross. That's another reason to keep your nails very short. You can't get clubbed onto them. Correct. <laughs> All right. Well, Amy, this has been absolutely just wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us. Thank you so much for having me. It was great fun. Excellent. I look forward to uh, to hearing more of Speakaboos this year. Is Do we have a, yeah. a date on anything we can share? You should see an iPad launch coming soon. Oh, my God. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. So hopefully by the time this is out, people will be able to go to Speakaboos.com and get the Speakaboos iPad app. That's right. Definitely oh, check it out. That's so kids. cool. All right. Yes, for my future kids that I'm going to have so I can kids. show them my <laughs> iPad app. Yes. Awesome. Well, Amy, thank you again so, so much. I will hopefully see you in the studio soon. Awesome. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Degressive obscenity. Shit, what was I talking about? I remember just a moment ago I was talking about something and then I forgot what I was talking about because I was distracted. By the guy who did the thing Digressive Obscenity Shit, what was I talking about? 